0: Hello, hello, everybody, and welcome or welcome back to the Combed Education podcast. Let's talk hair. My name is Araz. I'm your host. I am a fellow colorist of like, I don't know, a million years. And um, I am so excited every time, every opportunity that I get to record a podcast episode. It's been my goal to do an episode a week, and I think I surpassed that for over a year now. So yay me. Um, and you know, I always say that this podcast is a passion project of mine. Um, it's just fun. Like it, I don't put a lot of tech into it. I know I'm sure that if I had like special microphones and lighting and all that stuff, um, but it's because it's for fun because it's contribution, it's very maybe unprofessional, some people would say, but I don't care. And honestly, I've had so many downloads and there's so many of you who listen to the podcast, who, you know, share the podcast, and I am so fucking grateful for that. Um, Today, I want to talk about great coverage. And if you follow me on Instagram, you know that as boring as it is, great coverage is my fucking jam. Um, I always share when I was younger in the industry um, I was told by several people that if I wanted to make a lot of money, that I should get great coverage clients. Now, let me remind you, I got into this industry licensed at 18, 17, 18. Um, I did not want to do great coverage clients. I, that was not fun for me. Um, this was you know 20 years ago. I wanted to do the fun shit. Right. Like we didn't have balayage and foilage and all that shit, but like I wanted to cut pixies and mullets and use manic panic and do crazy fun colors like gray coverage. No, thank you. Boring highlights. No, thank you. Uh, But I also wanted to make money. And so when I got my head on right and realized that, okay, these gray coverage clients, these are bread and butter clients, right? These are people who come in every three, four, five or six weeks regularly. Um, because they have to versus the fun, punky colors, or now like the balayage and all that stuff. It's a lot more time between appointments for these clients to come back. And so, uh, I always talk about, I teach about, I preach, like get you some gray coverage clients. Why it works for me is also because I use magic's 10. So my gray coverage processing time is 10 minutes. So I do a, you know, modern highlight, gray coverage, uh, cut and blow out in about an hour and 15 minutes and charge about $150 for it. So it's my bread and butter. I love it. Um, I understand that it's not sexy and not everybody is excited about great coverage, but if you wrap your head around it, um, like I did actually, even if you don't wrap your head around it, but if the idea of great coverage and great coverage clients makes sense to you, um, this is a good episode for you. Now, if the idea of great coverage clients makes sense to you, and you have challenges with gray coverage. This episode is definitely for you. Um I'm going to just share about how to get better gray coverage. So I had posted something on social a while back regarding gray coverage, how to get better gray coverage, and there was a lot of conversation that happened because of that post. Um, And then I did a subsequent post about it. And so I wanted to do one podcast episode that is just dedicated to uh, gray coverage. If you guys are watching this on YouTube, (laughs) you guys will see my hands are all stained. I speak a lot with my hands, so don't mind the purple and the red stains. Um, I was working. So I want to talk about gray coverage um, and how to get proper and great gray coverage. So there's a few few things that I want to talk about, a few tips a few hacks, if you will. Um, And let's see, where do I want to start? I don't have any notes. Uh, If you guys listen to the podcast, I just let it flow. Um, So let's talk about uh, gray coverage. What makes hair go gray? And the difference between gray hair and white hair. So I think a lot of times what we do, what I've seen, is that we put gray hair in a box. If a client is gray, they're gray. Uh, But there is a difference. It's so nuanced. um, Just like pigmented hair has so many different nuances and variables, so does gray hair. So you have gray hair and you have white hair. So just in the gray hair category, uh, gray hair to me is salt and pepper, right? The salt is white. The pepper is either still their natural color or it's a muted version of their natural color because the melanin is beginning to decrease, right? Um, So if they were a vibrant brown, let's say it's a little bit more mousy as it gets into the gray, as it gets into the white or the salt, and then ultimately going to white. So when you have gray hair, you've got the salt, you've got the pepper. The pepper can either be their natural level or the muted version of it. And then you have the percentages. Like, How much salt versus pepper? Because this is very important when it comes to getting proper gray coverage. Um, Now, if you're looking for gray blending, it's not as important because what we're trying to do with a gray blending, um, I use this as an example all the time with clients. Gray coverage is more opaque, right? Um, Like leggings. Gray blending is a little bit more translucent, like pantyhose. So if you have, a tattoo or a scar on your leg and you wear leggings for coverage, you're not going to see that tattoo or that scar. If you wear pantyhose, you're going to see the tattoo or the scar, but it's not going to be as vibrant. So gray blending is like the pantyhose where you still see the salt, but it's not like white, right? It's muted down or a little bit more pigmented, but it's not covering it. It's not opaque like what gray coverage does, like the leggings. So when you're dealing with the salt and pepper ratio, um, what matters is, is the percentage of salt to pepper. What matters is what is the level of the pepper, right? Because if the pepper is level one, two, three, four, and you put a level seven or eight, you're not gonna get coverage mainly because of the difference in contrast of the salt to the pepper right? Your level seven color may deposit um, on the salt, but it's not going to do much as far as um, matching tonality with the level two pepper, right? So the pepper is going to come up and it's going to be very, very warm and the salt is going to be deposited on level. So it's still going to not look covered. So what is the ratio of the salt to the pepper Um, and, and, and how light of a level of color are you using in comparison to their natural? I always tell people, when you're doing great coverage, stay within two levels of their pepper. Because once you go above two levels of their pepper, you're gonna start exposing warmth, you're gonna start exposing lightness, and your coverage is not gonna be opaque, it's gonna be a little bit more reflective. So, you know, what what is the contrast of the level of the pepper versus the level of the color that you're using, right? Um, the other thing, like I said, is do you want coverage or do you want blending? Um, so you have your, your salt and pepper and then you've got the percentages at 10% salt to pepper, 25, 50%, is it 80%? Um, that's the salt and pepper category. So when you're formulating for salt and pepper, you have to consider how much of the salt and pepper, what's the level of the pepper, What color do you want to use? All of these are factors in getting proper gray coverage. Let's go to the next category of white hair. White hair has to be treated differently than gray hair. So I shared this too. um, I think one of the reasons we put gray hair coverage in a box is partly because of manufacturers, right? A lot of brands have their gray coverage series, which makes us believe that gray hair is one size fits all that gray coverage is one size fits all and it's not. And so when you don't understand the nuances between gray hair, uh, the salt and pepper, white hair, you don't understand what each canvas needs, you're gonna have trouble and you're gonna have maybe some issues with coverage that you were maybe not expecting. So when we're dealing with white hair, it is very different than gray hair because white hair is all white. There's no more pepper, there's no more pigment, it's white. Think about it like a blonde, right? When we're talking about coverage on white hair, you need to put in what it doesn't have, right? The salt and pepper hair, that pepper is gonna give you some remaining pigment contribution. It's gonna give you some undertone. It's gonna give you some oomph to get coverage. White hair is not gonna give you shit, maybe yellow, Right, so when you're covering white hair and you're going down into the five, six, sevens, um, you've got to formulate accordingly. Um, and and the the point that I'm leading to is uh, neutral hair color versus natural hair color. A lot of times, most brands for their gray coverage series have a neutral. Right? We say the neutral is perfectly balanced, blue, red, and yellow, like it's perfect for gray coverage. But if it's truly a neutral, if it's truly a neutral, it's not brown, right? Neutral. If you take equal parts blue, red, and yellow, do it with food coloring, do it with acrylic paint, I don't care, do it with some Play Doh, you don't get brown. You get a murky, graysy color. That's neutral. Natural is brown, okay? So when you have manufacturers that have neutrals, those are for gray coverage. There's enough um, drab, that murky grayish color, to offset any uh, undertone, of warmth that's gonna come up. Um, and it's also gonna deposit pretty on the salt. But on white hair, it could have a tendency to look a little drab. Think like that greenish goldish color, That's neutral on white hair. So when you're formulating for white hair, you got to put in what it's missing, right? You've got to put in that warmth, whether it's like a gold or even like a gold with a little bit of copper. Um, What is that hair missing? Formulate that into your formula. This is not to say you can't use a neutral from the brands and get a result. You're going to get a result and it'll be pretty. But if you're wanting it to look natural, right? If you're wanting it to look like a rich, robust brown or whatever tan, you've got to put in what it's missing. Treat white hair like blonde hair. Um, And versus the gray hair with the salt and pepper, you've still got some, it's giving you something. The white hair is giving you nothing. So um, there is a difference between neutral and natural. So when you're formulating for gray coverage versus white coverage, be cognizant of that, be aware of the canvas that you're working on. Uh, The next topic or the next point I want to make is your developer choice. Uh, There's a lot of people who say they like to use 30 volume for great coverage because 30 volume just gets in there and opens the hair and that's all that shit, right? Uh, If you understand the chemistry, developer is acidic. So developer is not what's swelling and softening and quote unquote opening the hair, the hair color does that alkalinity. Its job is to soften and swell that hair. So when you use 30 volume for gray coverage, all you're doing is your, uh, if you understand developers role in hair color, it delivers the dyes to the cortex. It, uh, so it delivers the dyes, it um, develops the dyes in your color, Uh, all oxidative color use uh, dye intermediates and couplers. These are colorless dye molecules that when exposed to oxygen turn into the color that we see. So developer delivers those dyes, it develops those dyes, and it also fractures melanin. So the oxygen in developer is responsible for breaking things up, breaking melanin up, also breaking Those dyes up. So the use, the using of the 30 volume with gray coverage, the only time that I, and this is just opinion, guys, the only time that I would even consider that is let's say, let's say you have a client who wants a robust gray coverage. Okay. They don't want the translucency, they want an opaque coverage at a level 8, 9, 10. If you understand how hair color is formulated, level 8 hair color is kind of the threshold of where you don't really get coverage with a level 8. There isn't enough dye in a level 8 for coverage. You start getting into the more reflective kind of coverage. Um, So That being said, let's say your client wants to be like a level nine, but they want the coverage. In that situation, I would drop my level of color down to an eight because there's more dye in an eight or a seven because there's more dye in a seven, but I would use a higher developer because remember developer is responsible for breaking down melanin, but it's also shearing out, it's breaking down pigment. So my level eight color or my level seven color with that heavier dye load is gonna give me more coverage, but it's not gonna get too dark because I'm using 30 volume. So that's really the only situation where I would consider using 30 volume for gray coverage. Second to um, if I'm trying to create additional lift. So let's say the client is a natural level three and then we're trying to get them to five or six or whatever. I would use a higher developer to create additional lift because remember the developer is fracturing melanin, fracturing pigment, poking holes in it so that more light can pass through it so that we see it lighter. So 30 volume for gray coverage, only if I need to drop down and level because I need more of a dye load, but I don't want it to be dark, or if I'm trying to create additional lift. Otherwise, 20 volume is where it's at for gray coverage. Most manufacturers test their color line with 20 volume. That's going to give you the best dye development. That's going to give you the most longevity of color. 20 volume is where it's at, right? Um, There are times where you could use 10 volume. And there's a lot of people who do. Uh, I was reading about this earlier today on social media when, when somebody was like, oh, just use 10 volume for gray coverage because... When you use 20 volume, you get that dreaded orange. Now, the reason you would want to use 10 volume for coverage instead of 20, uh, if you want a gray blending, um, if you don't want to expose too much undertone, because remember, developer, it fractures melanin. Creates holes in melanin. It creates lightness in the hair. That undertone that we see, those those warm golds and oranges, developer is responsible for that with the help of alkalinity. So when you use a ten volume, you're not going to create as much undertone, right? But you're not going to get full dye development like you would with a twenty. So when you use ten volume. Most likely, what's going to happen is you're not going to get that dreaded orange, but the longevity of your color may be compromised because you're not getting full dye development, right? Um, but if you're if you're working on fine hair, if you're working on uh, porous hair, ten volume will give you opaque coverage. If you're working on coarser, resistant hair, uh, you might have a little bit of a harder time getting that opacity with ten volume because now we're dealing with a coarse canvas, a resistant canvas, okay? So 10 volume, when you're dealing with fine and porous hair, sure. When you're wanting a great blend, kind of like I was talking about earlier with the pantyhose, 10 volume, cool. Otherwise 20 volume. If you wanna use 30 volume, that's when you're either gonna drop down a level, but you don't wanna darken the hair, or you're trying to create additional lift, that's where 30 volume would come into play. 40 volume, don't think about it. just my opinion, I would not use that for gray coverage. Um. So speaking of resistant hair, a lot of us, and maybe this is a blanket statement, okay? I've just seen it a lot where we just assume that if somebody's hair is gray, that it's resistant. And it's not always the case. Um. There's gray hair that's fine. There's gray hair that's regular and then there's gray hair that's resistant. The gray hair that's resistant, um, essentially what's happening in like scientifically is they have excess cuticle layers. So an average hair strand has between seven and 10 layers of cuticle. Resistant gray hair, 20 to 25. Okay. Way more layers of cuticles because the melanin production gets decreased and like there's a whole science to it. But uh, the... The hair still has to make something, so it makes extra layers of cuticle. So when you're dealing with resistant gray hair, uh, what you need to get coverage is for those cuticle layers to swell open, right? The seven to 10 layers of cuticle on regular hair will swell open, no problem. If you're dealing with 20 to 25 layers, you need what? Think about this. In the hair color process, you have hair color, you have developer. We already talked about developer. Developer is acidic. What does acidity do to the hair? It it, right? What does alkalinity do to the hair? Swells it, right? So when you're dealing with resistant gray hair and the color that you're using or your formulas or whatever, it's just not cutting it, maybe you can consider increasing the alkalinity in your color. There's a couple of ways you can do that. Um This is my opinion. This is not manufacturer-based. This is not anything other than what has worked for me and what I have learned over the years, right? If I know I need excess alkalinity to soften and swell those hairs, I'm not gonna pre-soften with developer. This is a wildly unpopular opinion. I've gotten into many conversations with people about this because you guys use developer to pre-soften. Milady textbook told us to use developer to pre-soften. But how, how can developer swell and soften the hair fiber if its pH is at a 3.0, right? Hair's pH is 4.5 to 5.5. Developer is way more acidic. All it's gonna do is shrink it up more and create porosity. So if you're pre-softening with developer, you're creating porosity in the hair. Think about Beauty School 101. How does porous hair uptake color? It sucks it up. So for those of you who are using developer to pre-soften, you're not opening the hair. You're actually constricting it so tight that it's creating porosity. And it's that porosity, which is the reason why you feel like you're getting better grade coverage when you pre-soften with developer. But scientifically, in my mind, what makes sense is let's use alkalinity, additional alkalinity to soften and swell the hair. A couple ways you can do that. One, uh, finesse your mixing ratio, okay? Add more color to developer. So if you're, manuf- and this is breaking the rules, so this do this at your own uh, expense, at your own risk. It's something that I do as a stylist that works for me. Um, so if you wanna test it, feel free to, but it, this is not usually recommended by manufacturers, so I had to put that little caveat out there. Um, increase the alkalinity in your bowl. So if your manufacturer recommends one part color to one part developer, why not do one and a half parts color to one part developer? why not do two parts color to one part developer, right? What is that going to do? That's gonna alter the pH of your color that's in your bowl to make it slightly more alkaline, right? Um, If you're gonna do that, I would recommend uh, going up about half a level because you're also increasing your pigment and dye load in that bowl. So it might be deeper and darker. So maybe go up half a level, Um, If you're going to finesse your formula to do two parts color to one part developer. Another way you could pre-soften is by using straight alkalinity, straight hair color, right? Let's say your target is a 6N, go up to a 7 or an 8, maybe gold if the hair is white, uh, straight out of the tube, straight out of the tube and apply it to where the hair is most resistant where you feel that it's the most resistant put the color straight on there right and then go mix your target formula and apply it directly on top of the color that you put on the hair to pre-soften so when you apply that color straight out of the tube onto that hair that's resistant that alkalinity is going to start working right it's going to start softening it's going to start swelling Uh, You're not mixing it with developer. You're not mixing it with water. You're putting it straight onto the hair. It's going to start softening. It's going to start swelling. It's going to start quote unquote opening the hair. And then when you go in with your Target 6N, now you have the hair fiber that's swollen, ready to accept the color with your developer. And remember that color is a couple levels lighter and warmer. So it's going to actually give you better gray coverage because now you're putting in what that white resistant hair doesn't. So you can pre-soften with finessing your formula and you can pre-soften with straight alkalinity. If you're having any problems with getting adequate gray coverage, I'm going to ask you to look at a couple things. Number one, make sure that you're working on clean hair. For some reason, (laughs) I don't know about you guys. But a lot of my clients always say, oh, yeah, my hair is extra dirty for you. <laughs> Please don't do that. Um, so I've, I've tried to like tell my clients many times and it's still not getting in their head, uh, which is fine. I will just clean and, and clarify their hair because think about it this way. If the hair is dirty and there is debris on that hair, right, how much harder is it going to be for the color to do its job? So clean hair is the best option, especially for proper gray coverage. Um, This all started way back in the day in the industry when color, when hair color was highly, highly alkaline and people's scalps would get really tingly and really sensitive. So colorists would tell their client, hey, come in with your hair one or two days dirty. That little bit of oil buildup would like protect their scalp from the itchiness or the tingling from the alkalinity in hair color. This was 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago. Things have improved, right? Hair color is not as alkaline. It's not as tingly. It's not as itchy. Um, but for some reason, this old wives' tale keeps circulating. But uh, if you're having issues with gray coverage, make sure you're applying on clean hair. If the client has like root spray or powder or dry shampoo or whatever in their hair, it the color is going to have a harder time penetrating through that and getting into the cortex for those dyes to develop. Um, which means after a couple of washes, it's going to fade out. It's going to wash out. And because the dye didn't get into the cortex, it stayed within the cuticle layers, which is why you got a translucent coverage. So make sure the hair is clean, clarified. I have my clients most, if they remember to come in with clean and clarified hair. Number two, working on damp hair is phenomenal for gray coverage. Um, damp, not wet, not dripping wet. Think, uh, just like just a little damp, okay? Um, There's something called hydrogen bonding. So if the hair is damp with hydrogen and hair color has hydrogen, there's some kind of scientific thing that occurs for those two to link together. So you actually can get, and I encourage you to test this, you can get better deposit and better gray coverage when you're working on damp hair. Um, A couple other things I would have you consider if you're having issues with proper gray coverage um, obviously, like I've mentioned before, make sure you're formulating appropriately. Make sure you're using the correct developer. Make sure that you are pre softening if you need to, in however way you need to. Make sure you're working on clean hair. Um, make sure you take fine sections. I've watched uh, people apply a root color and they're taking like quarter inch sections for gray coverage. You don't want to do that. Uh, you want to make sure that you're taking baby fine sections. You want to make sure that you are saturating heavy. Um, Instead of painting the color on, uh, I would recommend placing the color on. I might do a video on this or a reel on this um, of the difference. So placing the color on where the hair is gray versus painting it on so that you've got a nice, thick, ooey, juicy layer of hair color so that it can do what it needs to do. Um, So heavy saturation, fine sections, paint both sides of the hair, um, I see a lot of times people will take a section, paint, section, paint, paint both sides of it. You want to make sure there's enough product on there to give the coverage that you need. Don't skimp, right? Don't half-ass it um, if you're wanting proper gray coverage. So I hope these tips were a little bit helpful for you. Um. Like I said, gray coverage is my jam. I love it, especially because I use Magic's 10. It's just so super, super easy and super, super fast. And these clients come back on a regular basis because nobody wants to see their fucking gray hairs coming out. So if you're not into gray coverage clients, I hope this maybe got you a little excited uh, to take on some gray coverage clients. And if you do have gray coverage clients and you find yourself having issues um, with getting proper coverage, I'm gonna encourage that you take a look at What you're doing most of the time, it's not the brands. Most of the time, it's not the brands. It's not because of this brand and that brand, and this covers well and that doesn't. It's, I always say this in all my classes it's the fool with the tool. It's us. What can we do differently? What can we do better? What are we maybe not doing? Um, to ensure that we get that proper gray coverage. So I hope these tips were helpful for you. Um, If it was helpful for you, please feel free to share. I know there's a lot of people who struggle with gray coverage. Um, So feel free to share this episode, whether it's on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, whatever. Um, Hopefully it was helpful for you. And I appreciate you guys taking the time to listen. I love you. Until next time, happy hair coloring.